So one of my favorite Disney movies, and that's very, I figure everybody here has a favorite Disney movie, especially the guys, but my favorite Disney movie is the movie Tangled. And if you haven't seen it, it's, uh, it's about the, the story of Rapunzel. And if you don't know who Rapunzel is, Rapunzel is this little girl um, that has this magically imbued hair. And she, she gets it before she's ever born. And there's this, this awful woman who's old and ugly and haggard named Mother Gothel. And Mother Gothel is very, very vain. And so she decides she is going to kidnap this little girl as a baby and raise her as her own because Rapunzel's hair allows her to stay young and beautiful. Now, Rapunzel grows up thinking this is her mother when it's really her kidnapper. And she is about 16 years old and she decides she wants to see the outside world. And she tries to convince her evil foster mother slash kidnapper to let her go and see the world. But the mother slash kidnapper does wrong. And this entire song, I'm not going to sing. This entire song is Mother Gothel's attempt to guilt her daughter into acting the way she wants her to act. And, And my favorite line from the song is this. It'll be up on screen. Go ahead, get trampled by a rhino. Go ahead, get mugged and left for dead. Me, I'm just your mother. What do I know? I only bathed and changed and nursed you. Go ahead and leave me. I deserve it. Let me die alone here. Be my guest. When it's too late, you'll see. Just wait. Mother knows best. Last week, Jeremy introduced us to this brand new series called Toxic, all about the type of toxic people we will encounter in our lives. And the goal of this series is to help us identify the characteristics of these types of toxicity so that we can avoid them, but not just identify them in other people, but also in ourselves. And today we are going to talk about guilt. Specifically, we're going to talk about people who make us feel guilty as a way to get something out of us. Now, full transparency, uh, this is one that I am, I'm good at. Um, and if my wife were in the room, she would be amening to that. I'm I, I, not proud of that. I'm not, I don't like that about myself. It's something that I recognize about myself, something that I need to get better at. In fact, just this week, I made this mistake. And my, my wife very graciously uh, informed me what I was doing and allowed me to learn from that mistake. And, and I tell you that as a, as a way of, of showing you that I'm a work in progress too. That these aren't just in other people. They are in us as well. I'm human. I'm imperfect. And you're human. And you're imperfect. And we all have room to grow. And so today, I want to take some time to try and identify what someone who likes to use guilt against us might look like. But before we go any further, I think that we need to try and identify uh, some key terms so that we make sure that we're talking about the right thing, the same thing, and we're talking about it accurately. So today, when I talk about guilt, here is how I want us to think about that. Here's how I define this. This is from Dr. Joseph Burgo in Psychology Today. It'll be on screen. It says this, guilt is a feeling of responsibility or remorse for some offense, crime, wrong, etc., whether real or imagined. Now, let's be clear that, that guilt in and of itself is not always a bad thing. 
In fact, sometimes guilt can be a good thing, but it can only be a good thing when it is in the correct context and it leads to positive change. Guilt is not a bad thing when it is in the correct context and it leads to positive change. I'll give you an example. So when I was a little boy, I would get into trouble and uh, my mom would send me to my room. She was a very harsh woman, um, <laughs> sending me to my favorite place in the world where all my favorite things were. She wouldn't spank me. She wouldn't verbally accost me. She would literally send me to the place I'd, I'd spend most of my time anyway. But while I was in my room, I would get so mad at her for, for sending me to my room that I would start saying to myself and all of my action figures, I hate my mom. I hate her stupid face, and I never want to see it again. She's a terrible mom, and I'd go on and on, and then I'd start to lose some steam, and I'd start to feel kind of bad because I don't feel those things, really. I was just angry, and then I'd get worked up that I, I said these horrible things, and the guilt would start to take over, and I, I would run out of my room, and I'd go and find my mom, and, and I'm so sorry I said that I hated your stupid face, and I never want to see you again, and I'd tell on myself. Because of guilt, but guilt in the proper context, and it led to positive change. So it wasn't a bad thing, but when is guilt not a good toxic? When someone is using it against you to manipulate you into a certain behavior or mindset. Always toxic in that scenario. Your mother is going to be so disappointed that you're missing Thanksgiving this year. Why would you do that to her? I worked on this meal all day, and you're not hungry? You know, I saw that new car you bought. Must be nice. You know, we, we, we hear statements like this. We make statements like this all the time. And there's one goal with these statements, to make somebody feel guilty, to get something out of them, whether it's a behavior or a mindset that we want. And we actually see this pop up quite a bit in the Bible. There's this great story in John chapter 8 where these Pharisees, and they were like the, the keepers of the law in, in the ancient world, and they did not like Jesus one bit. And, and they, they quote-unquote catch this woman in adultery, and they, they bring her to Jesus. Now, there's a lot wrong with that statement, and I have a lot of questions about this story. Where's the, where's the guy? Because he's just as guilty. How did they catch her? They clearly knew what was happening, but those are questions for another day. But they bring this woman before Jesus, before a crowd in the temple, and they throw her down, and this is where we're going to pick up the story in chapter 8, verse 4 of the book of John. It'll be on screen. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. Now, everybody always wants to know what Jesus was writing in the dirt. And here's the thing. We, we have no idea. And, and we can't know. And, and so it really does us no good to speculate, but I like to imagine he was writing something like, Go cards. And, and after the game last night, I gotta be honest with you, we're gonna need some divine intervention to win anything else. But notice what John says here. 
They were trying to trap Jesus. You ever been guilted by someone and felt like you were trapped into it? Like they had clearly thought through what they were going to say, how they were going to say it, what your response. See how the story goes. Back to verse 7. They, the Pharisees, kept demanding an answer. So he, Jesus, stood again and said, All right, let the one of you who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust, go cards. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said then, neither do I go and sin no more. What I love about this story is that Jesus knew this woman was guilty of adultery. That's not in question. He, he knows she did it. But that's not what this story is about. And that's not even the question Jesus asks this woman. He asks, where are the people who are trying to guilt trip you now? Gone. And I'm not going to guilt trip you. And I think it's so important for us to recognize that Jesus treats this woman who I'm sure feels guilty. I'm sure she feels shame. But we cannot miss that Jesus responds to this woman with love and compassion. And I love the irony that the the ones who are trying to guilt trip Jesus and this woman are the ones who at the end of the story walk away feeling guilty. But how do we recognize when someone is trying to manipulate us? How can we tell if someone is trying to guilt us into a certain type of behavior? And, and then once we recognize it, what do we, we do about it? I'm, I'm going to put some thoughts up here on the screen. And this is not an exhaustive list, but, but these are some warning signs that you should be on the lookout for. If you hear statements like this, if you experience things like this, somebody who's trying to guilt trip you, they may point out their own efforts, the things that they've done, how hard they've worked to make you feel as if you've done something wrong, to make you feel as if You've fallen short. Might say things like, you know, must be nice. While you were stuck in that airport in Chicago, I had the two kids alone. <laughs> that must be nice statement. It, it, it says a lot, doesn't it? Must be nice. They'll make sarcastic or passive-aggressive remarks. And all passive-aggressive remarks are, are only partially passive, right? They might ignore your efforts to talk about the problem. Hey, I, I think we need to sit down and talk about this. There's nothing to talk about. It's fine. I didn't do anything. It's in your head. They give you the silent treatment, cold shoulder. I'm good at that one. Might deny their irritation, though you know they are. You know, no, I'm fine. 
It's fine. It's not a big deal. Let it go. Be quiet. Let it go. Anybody do that? No elbowing. It's Jeremy's rule, not mine. <laughs> they might, they'll probably show no interest in, in not doing anything to improve the situation, right? They, they have no interest in, in hearing what you have to say. They'll use their body language to communicate what they're feeling. These are the loud sighs. I'm not going to do that because that sounds really bad on microphone, but you know what I'm talking about. The deep breathing, slamming objects down. I do this thing where when I get really mad or really upset or I'm being passive aggressive, I go and clean the kitchen, do all the dishes, mop the floors. And so I'm convinced that sometimes when the kitchen is dirty, my wife will pick a fight with me <laughs> just so that I'll go clean the kitchen. <laughs> Glad you're here, honey. But they also make, they, they make leading remarks to you. Hey, remember when I did X for you? You know, I do these things for you all the time. If you would just do fill in the blank for me. Now, here's the thing about people who are able to guilt trip you. They are probably people that you have a pretty close relationship with. They're probably people whom you feel pretty strongly about, people that you have some sort of emotional connection to. Because here's the thing, in order for anybody to be able to guilt you, you have to care enough about them to feel guilty. And that is why we are able to be guilt-tripped by these people. It's why we are able to guilt-trip other people. Your spouse is able to guilt-trip you because they know you care about them. You're able to guilt trip your kids because you know your kids love you and they don't want to disappoint you. And that is why our parents are able to guilt trip us so well. Because we love them and don't want to disappoint them. Now, I'm, I'm going to say this next part and I want to be sensitive to it because we are talking about relationships. A lot of guilt tripping, it's not malicious. It's not with ill intent. Now, it's still toxic. It's still not healthy, and it's still not okay. But the other person isn't always setting out to hurt you. Sometimes they just don't know how to communicate their wants and needs. And the only way they know how is through guilt. And that's not okay. But it's important for us to recognize somebody who's actually trying to hurt us versus somebody who just doesn't know how to communicate what they need. But there are some people in our lives that just no matter how hard we try, no matter how much we try to do enough, it's never enough. And it's never good enough. Mom, I got an A on that test. Could have been an A plus. You, you made dinner and you made chicken again. Hmm. It's not as moist as it was last time. 
there are going to be people in our lives who no matter what we do, it's not good enough. And we do not need to live our lives to win the approval of people who have no intention of approving us. And this is, this is the statement that I really want you to get out of the day, and it's going to be on screen. People who just want to use our failures against us are not worthy of our successes. People who just want to bring up the things that you have failed to do in life do not deserve the things that you do well in your life. And what we need to do is learn to set healthy boundaries with these people. And the best way to do that is to clearly communicate what your boundaries are and stick with them. So it requires quite a bit on our part because it's easier sometimes to just go along to get along. But in order to set clear and healthy boundaries, we have to stick with them. And so like we said earlier, guilt trippers are people in our lives whom we have close relationships. But guilt tripping will poison even the most tools that we can use. These don't always work because sometimes people just aren't interested in changing. But here's some tools you can use to help set limits in these relationships. And the first thing you can do is you can tell the person, listen, I, I understand how important this thing is to you. I get that it's important that I be there for Thanksgiving. I get that it's important to you that I take out the trash, right? But guilt tripping me into it, I may end up doing it, but I'm also going to end up resenting you. In relationships, in any relationship, we have this relational currency, right? You, you have this goodwill that you can build up between one another, but it's not unlimited. And you can burn through relational currency very quickly when you start using tools like guilt. Because I might do it for you, but I'm not happy about it. And it doesn't make me want to be around you. It doesn't make me want to help you in the future. So let them know, hey, listen, <laughs> we, are, we, are not on a, we are not heading in the right direction here. These accumulative resentments, they're making me not want to do anything for you. Ask them instead, hey, just tell me what you want. I'm probably more likely to help you if you just tell me what you want. Anybody here feel like that? Like, I would rather you just say, this is what I need from you, rather than I feel like you're manipulating me into doing this thing that you want me to do. In fact, I'm probably more likely to do it for you if you just say, hey, I need this. Okay, I can work with that. But don't guilt me into it. Because I might do it, but I'm going to resent you, or I'm not going to do it, and I'm going to cut things off. And sometimes, sometimes, these things will not work. And sometimes, there are going to be people that don't respect your boundaries. That they honestly don't care what you want or need. And I need you to hear me when I say this. It is okay, and you have permission to cut off those kinds of relationships. If they are refusing to respect your boundaries, if they are refusing to love you in that way, even if they are important 
relationships, you have permission to cut them off. Because here's the thing, no relationship is so invaluable that you should suffer chronic emotional manipulation. God didn't create you to suffer the toxicity of people who would manipulate you. That's not what he wants for you. And honestly, if we can be honest for just a moment, in the end, it's the guilt tripper who's going to reap what they sow. Galatians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul says this, and this is from the message, so it, it doesn't sound exactly like it might in your Bible, but it says this, don't be misled, no one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. And all he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But let us also remember to look inward, to examine our own hearts and our own motivations, to look for our own areas of growth, to examine ourselves and make sure that we're not trying to take other people on a guilt trip. And just to close this morning, I want to close with a quote by the great philosopher and theologian, uh, George Carlin. (laughs) Don't take guilt trips. Take a trip to the mall. Take a trip to the next county or a foreign country. But not to where the guilt is. Because, and this isn't a George Carlin, Jesus does not want you to dwell where the guilt is. He died so that you wouldn't feel the sufferings of guilt. So don't go there. Let's pray.